0: chapter sixty seven of half a century by jane Grace Wishelm. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. the old theatre this building was on princess anne street the basement floor was level with the sidewalk but the ground sloped upward at the back so that the yard was higher than the floor across the front was a vestibule with two flights of stairs leading up to the auditorium behind the vestibule a large low room with two rows of pillars supporting the upper floor and behind this three small rooms and a square hall with a side entrance the fence was down between the theatre and catholic church next door i stopped in the church to see georgie who was already at work there came and left by the back door and entered the theatre by the side hall the mud was running in from the yard opposite the door in a small room was a pile of knapsacks and blankets and on them lay two men smoking to get into the large room i must step out of the hall mud over one man and be careful not to step on another i think it was six rows of men that lay close on the floor with just room to pass between the feet of each row they so close in the rows that in most places i must slide one foot before the other to get to their heads the floor was very muddy and strewn with debris principally of crackers there was one hundred and eighty-two men in the building, all desperately wounded. They had been there a week. There were two leather water buckets, two tin basins, and about every third man had saved his tin cup or canteen, but no other vessel of any sort, size, or description on the premises, no sink or cesspool or drain. The nurses were not to be found. The men were growing reckless and despairing, but seemed to catch hope as I began to thread my way among them and talk. No other memory of life is more sacred than that of the candor with which they took me into their confidence, as if I had been one of their own sex, yet ever sought to avoid wounding the delicacy they ascribed to mine. I found some of the nurses, cowards who had run away from battle, and now ran from duty, galvanized them into activity, invented substitutes for things that were wanting, making good use of an old knapsack and pocket-knife, and had tears of gratitude for pay. One man lay near the front door in a scant flannel shirt and cotton drawers, his left thigh cut off in the middle, and the stump supported on the only pillow in the house. It was six by ten inches stuffed with straw. His head was supported by two bits of board and a pair of very muddy boots. He called me, clutched my dress, and pled, Mother, can't you get me a blanket? I'm so cold. I could live if I could get any care. I went to the room where the men lay smoking on the blankets, but one of them, wearing a surgeon's shoulder straps and speaking in a German accent, claimed them as his private property and positively refused to yield one. The other man was his orderly, and words were useless. They kept their blankets. Going into a room behind that, I found a man slightly wounded sitting on the floor, supporting another man who had been shot across the face and was totally blind. He called, and when I came and talked with him, said, Won't you stay with us? stay with you, I replied. Well, I rather think I will. Indeed, I came to stay, and am one of the folks it is hard to drive away. Oh, thank God! Everybody leaves us. They come and promise and then go off. But I know you will stay. You will do something for us. It was so pitiful that for an instant my courage failed, and I said, I will certainly stay with you, but fear it is little I can do for you. Oh, you can speak to us. You do not know how good your voice sounds, I have not seen a woman in three months. What is your name? My name is Mother. Mother? Oh, my God, I have not seen my mother for two years. Let me feel your hand. I took between both of mine his hand, covered with mud and blood and smoke of battle, and told him I was not only going to stay with them, but was going to send him back to his regiment with a lot more who were lying around here doing nothing, when there was so much fighting to be done. I had come on purpose to make them well, and they might make up their minds to it. My own courage had revived, and I must revive theirs. I could surely keep them alive until help should come. By softening the torturing bandages on his face, I made him more comfortable, and in an adjoining room found another man with a thigh stump, who had been served by field surgeons, as the thieves served the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. That is, they stripped him, left him naked and half dead. Those men surely did not go into battle without clothes, and why should they have been sent out of the surgeon's hands without enough of even underclothing to cover them is the question i have never yet had answered common decency led to his being placed in the back room alone but i shall never blush for going to him and doing the little i could for his comfort after i returned to the large room i took notice about clothing and found that most of the men had on their ordinary uniforms some had two blankets more had one but full one-third were without any There was no shadow or pretense of a bed or pillow, not even a handful of straw or hay. There was no broom, no hoe or shovel or spade to sweep or scrape the floor, and the horrors were falling upon me when the man of the blankets came and said, Madam, if you are going to do anything for these men, you better give them something to eat. Something to eat? Yes, mind gott, something to eat. De government better leave them to die on de battlefield nor de bring them here to starve. I looked at him in much surprise and said, Who are you? Vy, I am de the surgeon. They send me here, put mine cut. I cannot do nothing. There is is nothing to do mit. I called out, Men, what have you had to eat? Hard tack and something they call coffee was the response. Have you had no meat? Meat? We have forgotten what it tastes like. In one corner near the front door was a little counter and desk with a stationary bench in front. To this desk the surgeon gave me a key. I found writing material and sent a note of four lines to the corps surgeon. Half an hour after an irate little man stormed in and stamped around among these prostrate men, flourishing a scrap of paper and calling for the writer. His air was that of the champion, who wanted to see, the man who struck Billy Patterson, and his fierceness quite alarmed me lest he should step on some of the men so i hurried to him and was no little surprised to find that the offending missive was my note i told him i had written it and could have had no thought of reporting him since i knew nothing about him after considerable talk i learned that he had charge of the meat and that none had been issued to that place because no requisition had been sent i had never written a requisition but found blanks in the desk Filled one, signed it, and gave it to the meat man who engaged that the beef should be there next morning. It grew dark, and we had two tallow candles lighted. May none of my readers ever see such darkness made visible, such rows of haggard faces looking at them from out such cavernous gloom. I talked hopefully, worked and walked, while mentally exclaiming, Oh God, what shall I do? about nine o'clock dr porter division surgeon came with georgie to take us to our quarters these were but half a block away on the same side of the street but on the opposite side and corner of the next cross street in a nice two-story brick house with a small yard in front an old lady answered his summons but refused to admit us when he insisted and i interposed saying the lady was afraid of soldiers but would admit us we would bid him good-night and soon our lodgings would be all right She was relieved, took us in, cooked our rations for herself and us, gave us a comfortable bed, and was uniformly kind all the time we stayed, and seemed sorry to have us leave. I spoke the first night to Dr. Porter about blankets and straw or hay for beds, but was assured that none were to be had. Supplies could not reach them since being cut off from their base, and the provost-marshal, General Patrick, would not permit anything to be taken out of the houses, though many of them were unoccupied and well supplied with bedding and other necessities. I thought we ought to get two blankets for those two naked men, if the government should pay their weight in gold for them, and suggested that the surgeons take what was necessary for the comfort of the men and give vouchers to the owners. I knew such claims would be honoured, would see that they should be, but he said the matter had been settled by the provost and nothing more could be done. It seems to me now that I must have been benumbed, or I could have done something to provide covering for those men. I did think of giving one of them my shawl, but I must have died without it. I remembered my Douglas Hospital letter and knew that General Patrick could order me out of Fredericksburg and leave these men to rot in the old theatre. Already their wounds were infested by worms which gnawed and tormented them. Some of those wounds were turning black, many were green, the vitality of the men was sinking for want of food and warmth, i could not forsake them to look after reform would not fail to do what i could in an effort to do what i could not or might not accomplish in the morning i saw that the men had something they called coffee and found canned milk for it which was nourishment but a new difficulty arose the men who brought the coffee would distribute it to those who had cups or canteens and the others would get none i had some trouble to induce them to leave their cans until with the two tin cups i could borrow I could give about one third of the whole number the coffee they could not otherwise have. Our cooking was done in the churchyard with that of the church patients. A shed had been put up, but our cooking was an uncovenanted mercy. And when our beef came, there was a question as to how it could be cooked, how that additional work could be done. I wrote to the provost marshal stating our trouble in the extremity of one hundred and eighty-two men, asked that we might take a cook stove out of a vacant house near promised to take good care of it and have it returned and he wrote for answer i am not a thief if you want a stove send to the sanitary commission he must have known that the commission was as pressed as the government to conform its arrangements to the movements of an army cut off from its base of supplies and that it had no stoves so the plain english of his answer was let your wounded die of hunger in welcome i am here to guard the property of the citizens of fredericksburg i had already written to the commission for blankets and a broom and there was none to be had it soon however sent a man who cut branches off trees and with them swept the floors End of chapter sixty-seven